0: genius it takes a lot to get on my show genius you're probably someone we'd like to know you're really good at stuff you probably like to dance you like long walks and you wear clean
1: pants genius get onto my show
0: howdy folks welcome to living with a genius i'm your host omar crook on this episode i had the great great fortune of sitting down and having a nice long chat with film composer John Powell. He's composed over 50 scores for blockbuster films. I know you've heard his music. And he's also ventured into classical composition. I helped him premiere uh, a piece of his last year in South America called A Prussian Requiem, which is a beautiful, beautiful piece of music for orchestra, uh, choir, and soloists. And uh, I'm very lucky to to be able to call him a friend. I've known him uh, since Happy Feet 2. We work together and we keep in touch and I get to see him every now and again. And this was just a great opportunity for me to sit down and catch up with him. Um, I think you're going to like the interview. I sure did. And it's a long one too. It went an hour and 50 minutes. So what I decided to do was make it a a two-parter. So I split it up. This is part one that you'll be hearing today. And I'll put uh, the second part up next week. So I hope you tune in for that as well. I want to thank you all for listening. Here's John Powell. I, you know, okay. So I talked to our friend Kaveh about it. Of course, after I bought it, and I bought it on this great deal, and um, and I thought, oh, I've got this thing set. I've got it. And, you know my podcast is going to sound great, and um, I've messed up three interviews with it. I just can't seem to figure it out. I don't know if it's because I don't think it's complicated. I think I'm just I'm just deficient in that area. So
1: you you just. Do you have a preamp as well, or are you using? They're that built as a preamp. in. Yeah. yeah, so so they have these nice preamps
0: built in for the right. mics. I see. But it, I think it all mixes down into just one,
1: one channel. That's the f- oh. I should have brought it over. It, yeah, <laughs> bring it over because it, by the sounds of it, it comes from 1927. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I must be missing something.
0: <laughs> and the other yeah. thing is that it doesn't come with instructions, just like everything online. these days.
1: Yeah, you, I guess you have to go online and find instructions for everything now. I think it's terrible. What yeah, do you think yeah. of that? Um, I think it's...
0: I mean, how are you with... Te- I mean, you're with, great with technology. I,
1: you know, well, I'm not that great. I mean, I've had to figure it out. Um, but the thing is that we it's good for the trees, you know, not having yeah, things printed. I've got, uh, yeah. We're clearing everything out here, and we're finding, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of manuals that really we can get online. So, oh, that's you know, interesting. we're just going to throw a load of stuff out.
0: What just. I need is a staff.
1: Uh, that does help.
0: That <laughs> does help. <laughs> well, John, I wanted to, to say, first of all, thank you. I mean, I know that this uh, I, this is a big favor for me, and I, I really appreciate it. And, I mean, Pleasure. not to say that this isn't a big podcast. I think this is really going to give your career a boost that it needs, finally. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but really, thank you. I really appreciate In it. In theory,
1: I've never done a podcast, ad- I don't think. Is that right? Well, I've done interviews.
0: Yeah. Now I, I was talking to Edie about uh how excited I was that you um agreed to be on this. Um and she was she seemed kind of surprised. She she gave me the impression that you don't do that much, that many interviews.
1: Well, I I don't, but a lot of them are not they they're very kind of mundane. It's, in what you just, mean they're business oriented in, in, yeah, in a way? They, they mm-hmm. tend to be people, you know, who wanna interview for, you know, Soundtrack, Yeah, British Composer Soundtrack yeah. Magazine Quarterly. Yeah, exactly. It. And it kind of gets a little repetitive. And also, I actually stopped doing a lot of interviews after Happy Feet. I did it quite a lot as Happy Feet came out. And mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I discovered a phenomenon which is that if I talk about my how I do things, yeah. I find it very difficult to then do it the next day.
0: Is uh, that right? Yeah,
1: so it was giving me a lot of writer's block. Like it creates some anxiety for you. Well, yeah. You, you. It, people ask you questions, how you do it. You explain how you do it. Oh. The next day, you go sit down and you go. Wait a minute. Fuck. How do I, <laughs> how, this must be really easy because I just explained it to somebody yesterday. So why is it? Why what? Why does this sound like shit? Is it in the
0: deconstructing
1: of what you do?
0: Like when you, when you talk to somebody else, you you probably have to intellectualize what you do, and in in doing so, you deconstruct it a little bit. And I'm just trying to get to why that happens. I would imagine that uh, you get caught up in what you talked about as being your mantra that isn't always true every day, day in and day out. Is that part of it?
1: No, I honestly think that the only things I've done that are any good uh, do not come from any kind of conscious mind. They all come from my subconscious. So by my conscious mind blathering about, you know how this and this should happen yeah. and how easy this is or difficult that is i think it just confuses my subconscious mind who then says well if you if you know so much you do it and i don't do it very well with my conscious mind so
0: it's really interesting
1: well that's the id isn't it right i i, I was reading uh, more about Freud the other day, uh, of course, on Wikipedia cause, <laughs> because because yeah. that is the best source. And, it, and what was fascinating was I didn't realise that the translation of the three terms he came up with id, ego, and superego right. can also be translated as um, what is it? Uh, I, um, I am, and uh, sort of watching I. Oh, like in a third person. Yeah. Um so the superego is, is kind of society's rules that then part of you tries to figure out how to make sure you can keep within. Right. And your ego is the bit is the I the I am is the bit that kind of knows is self-aware and, yeah. Yeah, and it's a gr- f- really
0: grounded in reality or yeah. what you think is reality but
1: yeah. it's really the job of the ego is to try and achieve what the id wants and the id is your lizard brain as it were right you know that basically just wants what it wants yeah the pleasure principle where do you think that comes from is that just how you're born how you grow up i think it's a fundamental um you know animal trait that uh has been uh, has evolved in humans into a slightly different, this kind of uh, slightly bizarre self-aware, yeah. sentient thing that we are. Yeah, yeah. But essentially, it's it's about survival and reproduction and happiness and ha- yeah, and happiness, yeah, contentedness. Because, yeah. So, uh, and we see because we've we're animals that have figured out how to see patterns. Yeah. Um, we. Hence, the patterns leads to you know if you give it enough time, at least to neuroses. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think anybody that has half a brain is uh, m- mostly neurotic. I think, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know. Yes. Uh, why were you yeah. Why were you getting into Freud? What was that about? Uh,
1: I don't know. I mean, were yeah. you just surfing the web? Yeah, I mean, it, it was actually a while back. I was in o- Iceland, and ah, uh, oh. and I was uh, lying there with jet lag, um, just probably thinking of something and 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 i so i think the word had been mentioned or i'd even used it and huh. then you know you have those conversations where you talk about things and then you, later in the day you go i'm not sure i really understand that word um yeah, yeah. so i then went and looked it up i like to use those words just well, before you understand yeah world. a lot <laughs> that's part of what this podcast
0: is yeah, i'm sorry <laughs> just to tell you that
1: it's live i'm just going to go and open the door for the dog because he in, in, yeah he's yeah yeah it.
0: oh yeah we have dogs in the interviews quite a bit, actually. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> I've been watching uh, Hi. Chelsea lately. Oh, Chelsea Handler, right. Chelsea Handler yeah. does this show on Netflix. Yeah. Um, you know, And the great thing, she has a dog on it. And it just wanders around while she's doing interviews with people. Oh, It, that's it looks funny. like a late-night show, but it, yeah. um, this <laughs> beautiful dog will yeah, come yeah. up and... You know, rather than people coming on, and they clap, and rather than the band kind of yeah playing them on the dog kind of walks <laughs> you on that's great that's funny all right so i want to go back
0: and uh i mean i know some things about you that that you know i i think are interesting like about your childhood and how your dad was in music and things like that so tell tell me you were born in sussex is that right yes Su- east sussex East sussex, uh-huh and your dad was uh, uh he was a horn trombone uh, tuba sorry tuba player tuba player right <laughs> Right. So did uh, so. you grew up, obviously, with lots of music in the house. Yes. What about yeah. your mom? Was she a musician? She was
1: musical, but she was, no, she was a um, a physical therapist. I see. And uh, But she did play the piano. So I, 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 this tiny little um, cottage that we grew up in, mm-hmm. uh, my room was above the room where the piano was, so I'd mm-hmm. hear this, um, you know, the Chopin being played, and right. every four bars there'd be a, ooh, sorry, when she'd stop and she'd do wrong <laughs> and then she'd go back a little bit and then oh, yeah sorry I could hear her actually apologising as she to herself as just she, by herself yeah oh, that's funny
0: was that extraordinary at the time or was it more because you know in my grand in my grandparents' day it seemed like well my grandfather grew up in the depression so it wasn't so much the case but socially and societally I feel like there were pianos in all the houses and people all, all played music was that the case then or was it kind of Extraordinary that you grew up with so much
1: music. And, uh, at that time, no. It was very, very normal. I like think, your for, friends? Yeah, in uh, the middle class, in England, in the middle mm-hmm. class, it would be very normal for everybody to have kind of, a lot more people to have learned music. Mm-hmm. Um, and even as a kid, you know, it was completely normal for everybody to learn music in some way. Rather. The school automatically gave you music lessons, mm-hmm. automatically gave you, the state would automatically pay for, you know, Mm-hmm. Individual lessons for you as well, so people would literally learn instruments, as they do as they learned math. Sure, um, that stopped, you know, uh, just after I kind of, you know, got educated. Unfortunately, um, why is that? Why do you think uh, they decided to kind of um, not fund education properly?
0: I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I, I you know. that's a big soapbox issue for me here at home, and is it the same in in Britain? I it mean, is now. They've gone to this is.
1: mad system where students have debt, you know, I don't think as much as in America but but this idea that you take a loan out <clears throat> for your education, I it just doesn't make any sense to me. At I all. totally agree. You know, there are certain things you cannot should not that should not be monetized. That's right. You know, there's an infrastructure of society that that surely <laughs> is what we pay for. We pay for a way to grow our society around us in a in a, in a fruitful way. Mm-hmm. And having people
0: stupid and sick is not the way to do no, it. No, exactly. Yeah, I exactly, totally agree. Yeah. I think it's really a function of some political ideology. That's not. I mean, it, it's it's not a new concept to make a population sick and stupid. It's a very easy to control a population like that through yeah. fear and, and fear mongering. I
1: suppose so. Yeah. You yeah. know,
0: and so it is much more convenient for the people that have the most money and the most power.
1: Yes, I mean we don't. It's very difficult to see. Uh, you know, America has really lost its democracy. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. a democracy anymore. It's a mixture of a theocracy and a uh, oligarchy. Mm-hmm. And that's madness. Because mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the wonderful thing about America is the, um, is the hope. Right. <laughs> the hope of the original idea. That's right. Uh, I'm really surprised at the, at the uh,
0: you know, this uh, quarterback that sat down. Have you been reading about this, that sat yeah. down during the national anthem? Yeah. And the, the flack that he's getting for it. I, fi- I find that that's the, that's the best thing about living in America is that you you can protest in in an intellectual, peaceful way, and it should mean something, and it should matter, and it should be celebrated, whether you agree with it or or not.
1: But that's the difficult thing about the First Amendment in America is that you also have the right to um, be a racist. Right, right. (laughs) That's right. And be a xenophobe, be a homophobe. That's right. um, And not, you know, be as bonkers as you like.
0: Um, I think that's what's behind Brexit, frankly. I mean, I, if you want to get down to brass tacks, I think it's about
1: English people not wanting to see more brown people coming. Of course. I think course. it's all well, like I mean, this. immigration is is always the first place you go when there's um, you know poverty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you're impoverished, it's very hard to see what's um, causing it. Right. And uh, somebody comes along and points a finger. It's the easiest thing on earth. It's right. been happening forever. Well,
0: you certainly don't want to blame the people you voted for. That's, that's, well, that that's creates the, a lot of dissonance.
1: That's the bizarre thing yeah. is that, uh, you know, you see everybody voting against their own interests constantly. Mm-hmm. I've never, I can never really quite figure it out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I feel the same way. Okay, so you, you're growing up in a musical family, yeah. and what, what was the first
1: instrument that you picked up? Was it piano? No, trombone. Trombone. Yep. I played a, a soprano trombone. Why? Is, well, no, a sopranino trombone. <laughs> I've got to ask why. why? <laughs> because my uncle Evan, who wasn't my uncle but was... You know, I call sure. him Uncle Evan. Evan sure. Watkins was the first trombonist in the Royal Philharmonic, and he used to come round and you know see my father, who was in the Royal Philharmonic uh, brass section. And and um, I think at age five, the conversation was had where you know it was like, "Well, John, wouldn't you like to play something?" Yeah. And so I think he brought round this sopranino trombone. Which is had you very
0: been studying piano or anything to no, that point? No, nothing,
1: nothing, no, nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing, okay. Nothing. Okay. At all. So I started to play this. Ti- they're tiny. I mean, have you ever seen no. them? They're really tiny. No. But I think I was. Constant. I bet you have one in the bathroom downstairs. No, I, I don't actually. I have a trombone, but a terrible trombone <laughs> for doing, um, you know, fart noises. <laughs> and uh, I can
0: save you money. Just give me a call.
1: <laughs> are you in the union? That's well, the of course I'm in the union. <laughs> the uh, America <laughs> Farters Association yeah. of America uh, in America. Yes. Well, that's the fun thing about all brass instruments. They they are the uh, epitome of kind of a, an extension. Right, you know, of if the if the vi- I later went on to the violin, you know, age seven, okay, and that perhaps was an extension of my um, my soul as opposed to my soul. <laughs> oh, see, that's funny. <laughs> that's good. So, um,
0: I mean, did you you didn't read music when you picked up the uh,
1: the trombone? The trombone. No, no.
0: Wow. No.
1: Okay. Well, I was five. I don't so, think in I was, those two years, yeah. you you really learned how to. And no, I mean, I think I played it a bit and didn't really carry it on. I, probably played it a bit between 4 or 6 you know i just fiddled with it you know and learned how to do it and and uh, all i remember is my father telling me not to do vibrato with my hand you know which is sure sure uh, because that's kind of the jazz way and you, you should do it with your lip and that and that's much harder i think and, right um, so and then i at some point i think when i was 6 i i, I did try um i went to a bigger trombone because i could i could <laughs> i could use it yeah and uh and it, it it's a it's a hard instrument really and I still don't, I still don't, you know, I'm still not able to really play. So you picked up the violin? Yeah, I I went to the violin. I heard a, I heard a concert. My father took me to a, a rehearsal actually of the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto uh, in Brighton, and uh, I came back absolutely transfixed. Really? Yeah, it was. I'd never heard anything quite like that. And you weren't listening to the Rolling Stones and? The no, at the time, my father, being a a musician who had done everything hmm. hated mu- classical music generally. Uh, and um, wait, wait, wait. Let's 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 talk about that. Well, if you if you're a classical musician and you've spent forty years, you know, playing classical music through the entire music, repertoire, yeah, yeah, everything. You know, at a okay. certain point, the stress I think of being at the front of you know anything. If you're in a very high level, mm-hmm. you kind of just want to not. You don't sit around listening to, you know, boules. That's true. I yeah. do the same thing with opera. I really don't listen. Yeah. And and so he would listen to easy listening music, bizarrely. What, what was that at the uh, time? Matt Monroe and um, the Carpenters. Oh, you know, sure, sure. Radio two at the time. Okay. You know. So I I was probably brought up with a lot of um, some you know very cheesy stuff. But yeah. I, I also was I think it, it it's interesting because it, I do have a love of Burt Bacharach. So well, still. you
0: do have a real sentimentality about about your music and know and knowing you as a person, I see that in you you're yes. very sentimental oh very yeah I mean I'm a big it's I'm one of the like things I really like the most about you actually <laughs> okay. and your and your you know your tight body <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's neither
1: here nor there yeah, <laughs> but, um, it, uh, so you fell in love with this yeah yes I, I did and, and it um, it was it was the, probably the first time when I, I think I'd, I'd heard music I'd understood music as you know background music I'd understand i probably gone to sessions with my father mm-hmm. heard the excitement of music but I'd never really probably sat there and felt something um reach in you know as deeply maybe wow maybe I was just mature emotionally mature enough to finally kind and of really you were seven it. yeah wow yeah it was around about the time when I realized that uh, there was no God okay see this <laughs> I wrote this
0: down too I, I was gonna say boy we got to talk about that too so did you didn't grow up in a religious family at all
1: no no okay no. my mother was you know, my mother was from a you know Church of Scotland, um, so she would go probably once a year. But uh, and I was never christened, and and uh, in conversation, my father was a he was in the uh, the Masons, uh-huh. Freemasons. Uh-huh. So you know, there's an element of religiosity to that. Yeah, you know, in the same yeah. way, there's an element of religiosity to twelve um, uh, step. You know, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I always joke about this. That I think you know, I got to that particular age where a lot, a lot of things were starting to uh, unravel as to the simplicity of life. Yeah. And uh, and that's when you know maybe this piece of music, which is one of the greatest pieces of music ever, I think. You know, it's it's uh, everything from joyful to um, you know tragic to and melancholy. You know, yeah. Melancholy. Yeah. Mm. And everything. That's great about Mendelssohn. You mm-hmm. know, it was really in that piece. And there's obviously so much wonderful Mendelssohn as well. Mm-hmm. That, that's a real.
0: What do you think is going to happen? What happens when when your eyes
1: close for the last time? Well, you, you just go back to the earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just you just uh, you lose the the you know the the grace of your consciousness. <laughs> what hap- Yeah, what
0: happens to the John Powellness of you?
1: Uh, well, it depends what you did in your life. I think you know. I mean, it, it's all you know the. The thing I've always said about religion is it's um, it can all be summed up with one w- word, which is metaphor. You know, it's hmm. it's all metaphorical, mm-hmm. and the great the great wisdoms of religion mm-hmm. are there. Mm-hmm. You know, you can look in them in the same way that you can look in sure. any, any great you know. The best part of religion is of what course. you're talking about. They're yeah, all, the, yeah. there's all this yeah. wonderful wisdom in all of these books. Right, uh, every religion it's it's just a question of if you get. To actually miss the point of it, which right. is that a way of explaining something that we can't explain, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that, as, obviously that's going to change over the over the eons, because you know we know more, we know less, we understand more, we understand less constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more we know, the more we, we don't know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, and science is is a is a a fantastic uh, sort of judgment call. Mm-hmm. for now, uh, based on whatever our best abilities are. Yeah, well, the the tools that we have to yeah. measure things, yeah. And, if mm-hmm. you, and so you just have to look back two years, or 10 years, or right. 200, or 2,000 years, and you can see, okay, well, let's assume that <laughs> we we know as little now as we knew 2,000 right. years ago. So we m- must assume that we're going to wrong about so much. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's not a very comforting feeling. Mm-hmm. I agree, uh, you yeah. know, And it's very hard to live with that idea. But even age seven or six, when I, you know, I remember sitting sitting down and trying to figure out what religion was because I spent a lot of time uh, in churches in the sense that because you know my mother was singing in choirs, my father was playing concerts. Mm-hmm. I was in and out of churches, mm-hmm. and I loved the acoustics, of me them too, and, and the music and the design and the, yeah, the air, music, yeah. the smell. It oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's, I agree. Wonderful. it's a great place for you know uh, for it is a it's a great place for wisdom and and the the best of of humanity mm-hmm. to to be explored hmm uh, obviously the actual the organization that got us to the point at which we have churches you know <laughs> is is so um terrible at times and and comforting at times mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's so if if you wanna believe in a sky parent that mm-hmm. is perfect mm-hmm. and will never, I think. I think my re- realization that there's, you know, there's no, there's no God, as it were, is a realization that came from realizing your parents aren't perfect.
0: That that's hard. You want it your is. parents
1: to be the the beacon. Yeah, yeah. So having a God is just having a perfect parent. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Really, it's a it's a parent who will always love you. I envy that, and yeah. people that believe that. Actually, of yeah, of course, you know. Yeah. And you can believe whatever you like. I you agree. Know. Yeah, There's no, I don't have any problem with that. It's just, um, obviously, I can't sort of. I find it difficult to indulge other people's kind of set ideas, and they're not even their own ideas. People right. come up with their own ideas, fine, that's creative. <laughs> but if you're just going to kind of go along with somebody else's ideas, right? It's well, you. I mean, well, I can't help. You,
0: I mean, I can't help thinking. For, for those the, those types of people that we've all encountered, I, the very first thing, I think, is, you know, if you had been born in India, you'd be a Hindu. If you had been born in Syria, you'd be a Muslim. Mm-hmm. And you would have believed it just as much then as
1: you what you believe now. Yeah, yeah, they're all stories with wisdom. Um, it's a question of how literal you get with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know...
0: Um, and how you use it to justify the things that maybe you shouldn't be doing. Like, yeah, I,
1: I'm not sure... I think you're giving humanity more, more kind of uh, awareness than. Uh, I mean, I, I think I think <laughs> what come happens on. is no, I think what happens is that you know the need to survive becomes the need f- to prosper, which becomes greed, if, uh-huh. it, if it runs out of control. Uh-huh. So as technology changed in the you know the seventeenth, eighteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth century, and mm-hmm. you know, I come from a country that is a a huge beneficiary of obviously that technology change, the Industrial Revolution, that's what made England as powerful as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find a way of making more money. That's right. Faster, quicker, and find a way of spreading your influence to make more money. Mm-hmm. I mean, foreign policy is the interests of your country, um, town council is the interest of your town, mm-hmm. your family. Is your in the interests of each of your family? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, at whatever level it is, it's all about your interests, mm-hmm. your own personal interests, mm-hmm. It's on a global level. So, I think people didn't say, "I must," you know, "I must take." We must take over the earth. It's our right. Um, I just think that they were always just figuring out: I can make more money, or I can be more successful, or I can grow mm-hmm. this business, mm-hmm. and this technology will allow us. And and the ability to be able to say that trumps, mm. you know, the the damage, mm-hmm. whether it's to your workforce or to whether it's to the, the society in general yeah. or, or to the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a game. The uh, th- that's why uh, um, the free market can never work. I mean, mm-hmm. the re- truly free market. That's people, right. People always, you know, talk about um, if you allow yourself to have a free market, uh, everything will settle into mm-hmm. thing. Uh, Ayn Rand was uh, was. Uh, a person who had grown up in a in a fucked up society. Mm-hmm. And she was reacting against that. She was mm-hmm. reacting against the worst of human nature coming out in communism. So she kind of Went the created other way. created this ideal idea that we were all we were all superhumans that if allowed to be we you know mm-hmm. we, do right yeah, we do the right thing. Yeah, we do the right thing. We we don't. That's right. Because the right thing is not good for us. That's right. So hence you know we have society has figured out ways to slowly k- bring us um together on some basic ideas to just not 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 keep us constantly in in conflict with each other that's and, right and that's i mean 2008
0: enough. is a perfect example of that where uh bankers ho- you know if you're a banker that has a trillion dollars and you've been regulated uh, as to what to do with that trillion dollars of other people's money and suddenly the government says uh you know what, you can do these other things with this money, but we trust that you're going to make the right decision. Yeah. You know. I know. That's really, it's not complicated. Well, when people say
1: it's about the market, I say, well, a free market, you want to see a free market, go to Bangladesh. That's right. You want to see buildings that don't have to follow code. That's right. Great. You mm-hmm. live in
0: one. Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate freedom.
1: Yeah. If you if you don't want to regulate things, it's fine. But also, as a as a bleeding heart liberal, I, I always want to say, why do you think, as a bleeding-heart liberal, I like the idea of the wa- of, of government wasting money?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, it, it never gets said. hmm this, this idea that you, as a You must sign up for that, yeah. You, the, the, oh, it's great that uh, government is very inefficient. hmm Of course it's not great. No. I'd love a smaller government as any libertarian. That's right. I agree. Absolutely would. That runs well. Yes, mm-hmm. that runs efficiently but mm-hmm. is there for the right reason and is, is regulating the right things mm-hmm. not being manipulated by mm-hmm. so much... Big by, interest. ...by big interest, yeah. which is why laws get so complex mm-hmm. because there's so many people have who want to kind of get round them and they have an influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's the irony about the Constitution. It's such an elegant co- document. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, elegantly written. Yeah. Um, great conclusions. Um, you know, and it's been... Except for a few weirdnesses, it's been able to be interpreted extremely um, effectively, mm-hmm. um, and you know a beautiful integrity to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was written by men, you know. Right. So Just like the Bible. Yes. So <laughs> it, it, it's as it's as flawed as as you know. As any document could be, but it's just extremely well done. Yeah, it's one of the best That's of all the flawed documents quality. out yes. there. Yes, yes, I agree. Very high quality ideas. So, I agree. So, but I, I just, I always want to talk to libertarians because I, I, I want to, I want to try and figure that out because you know what's the fr- difference between me and a libertarian? Well, the difference is that I think I've got to pay tax and that tax must be to build an infrastructure for my right. s- for my society so that when i go outside <laughs> um, yeah. i will won't be mugged and, and the traffic I, signals work and, and somebody mm-hmm. will help me if i n- you know if i get run over and mm-hmm. that people are you know not driving on you know madly and that uh, right you know all of society can work i mean the bigger the society the harder it is to do obviously the yeah and the, the more mixed
0: it is of course people from yeah. different that we're we're unique in that way in this world that we are we were founded by People that came over from other places and continue to be run that way. Yeah, and uh, the problem with libertarianism that I see is that it presupposes that, that that everybody is is on a level playing field when they're born, and that yeah. uh, you you do your job and do the best that you can means the same thing to this other person. You know, for me to say uh, uh, I grew up in Newport Beach on Lido Island, and mm-hmm. to say that I am th- that this other person that was born in uh, you know, South LA with a dad who's in prison and a mom who's on drugs is equal and has the same opportunities mm-hmm. that I do is preposterous. I mean that that's and that doesn't make them any less valuable as a human being. It doesn't make them any less important as an American citizen. Doesn't give them shouldn't give them any less rights than I have in the legal system. Yeah. It seems to not be the case. Yeah. And so libertarianism just for me is a non start because it just yeah. presupposes these things that aren't true.
1: Well it's dog eat dog. Right. And the problem with that is, I think we'd get that's about three and a half thousand years old. I think it's time to get over mm-hmm. over it. We don't, you know. I think Greece came along and educated us to mm-hmm. the possibilities of a of a greater type of society than everybody just kind of, you know, mm-hmm. going after each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I I really feel that libertarians need to kind of read a read a bit more. Yeah, you know they yeah. need to l- drop the iron rand. It's just, you know, you know it. It just doesn't work unless you put it in context of her own life. You know, that's right. She'll, that's right. You know.
0: Okay, let's go. Uh, and now I'm going to go back. So, so you're playing the violin. You're going to school, and at what point do you decide that you want to be a musician? I mean, was um, that kind of the, was that kind of laid out for you because of the by virtue of your parents or
1: no it, I decided I want to be a musician on the drive home from the rehearsal of the Men- Mendelssohn that was it of course yeah, absolutely. this is something
0: a lot of my guests have in common is that they find a passion at a very young age do you think that was just accidental yeah just by, just because your parents were who they were and you had a pro- certain proclivity for music or
1: yes I, I think I think um, it probably frustrated my father up to that point that I wasn't that interested in music I tried piano, but I didn't stick to it. And mm-hmm. the trombone didn't stick to it. Mm-hmm. All these other things, <clears throat> they were all, you know, typical kid thing if you try it. And it doesn't right. really make the It doesn't mean much to you. So, right. you, you know, it's fun. But it's not a big paradigm shift yeah, in your life. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I went and I heard, a, I heard a piece of music that I think what it did for me is it, it explained, well, the reason that music, I think it... Uh, is so interesting to humans is that uh, it can explain uh so much more than we could say
2: mm-hmm.
1: or you can read or you can write. Mm-hmm. It's a non-verbal language that is the most profound language I think. Mm-hmm. Um it's as in- instinctive to us as you know sex is. Right. But uh, it's sex for the intellect. Mhm. So as a seven-year-old, you go and you hear this piece of music and suddenly everything you've been thinking about and wondering about is explained to you. It's transcendental, really. Absolutely. Mm. And it's explained to you in a way that you then can't say. Mm-hmm. So what's the conclusion? I, It's like opening this giant door to a, you know, to if you want to talk about religion, so, yeah. so the idea of heaven, yeah. the idea of kind of, you able to open the door and everything be perfect. Yeah, and, and say hi, hey, Grandpa. Yeah, and yeah. mm-hmm. be this beautiful kind of uh, understanding of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and up until then, it, I would have only experienced it through reading a limited amount, of reading mm-hmm. and films, TV, and conversations. Right, um, art if I'd seen it. Um, and lo and behold, comes along this piece of music, and the door opens, and and so many things are explained to me, and I get a I get a picture of of a, a much greater um experience of life. Yeah. All within this, you know, twenty minutes of hearing this music. Right. So on the drive back, all I can do is hear the music in my head and think, this is incredible, this is this is not this is not this is and that was literally the first time probably that music um I don't know, did uh did anything like that to me. And it's surprising because I would have thought that I would have experienced music a lot before that. Right. So what was it about that piece? I I I don't know. Maybe it was just the right piece at the right time. Right. Maybe I wasn't mature enough to understand Mm -hmm. before that. Mm -hmm. Um, So from that moment on, I thought this is you know this is worth doing, Mm -hmm. Uh, and the rest of my life has basically been. Assuming that simply because m- I can't find anything else is interesting to me
0: I feel the same way i um I've got a and the friends that have known me the longest will verify this that I have a penchant for becoming c- quite good at something and then just leaving it mm-hmm. uh I, I I feel like quitting is one of my favorite things to do <laughs> uh and music has not been that way for me It's been oh. at times a cruel lover sometimes a uh, passionate lover sometimes an indifferent lover but it's always different and it's always a challenge and uh i haven't been able to leave it despite my best efforts i haven't been able to leave it i sometimes sabotage it but uh i always end up coming back to it
1: right Um, i think you've got to look at it as what gets you up in the morning you know what gets you up as a teenager yeah (laughs) other than girls girls yeah you know uh what else could you say could you know you could be lying in bed as you as you kind of wake at six in the morning and think, "Okay, I can either go back to sleep because it's Saturday morning, or yeah. um, I can't wait to play with that orchestra." So was it? So when did the? So I would imagine that you became very
0: proficient on the violin, or at some instrument. So when did that? When did the proficiency and the desire for making music that somebody's already written? When did that transition happen into what does, into the desire for creating music? Um or was it kind of both were they both there at the same time?
1: Uh, well, I'd probably experienced a lot of different types of music by the time I was a teenager, but mm-hmm. and then I was also slowly understanding how difficult it was to play at a level that you know, you 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 see the ponds, the pond size change, mm-hmm. so you can be a oh, wow. you can yeah. be a big fish in a small pond yeah. constantly. So you you leave your village and then, you know, you go to a town and you yeah. realize there's more players who are really good. And yeah. then you go to a city and you realize that you know it, it's going to be very it's a whole nother difficult. ball game. Yeah. yeah, and so despite the fact that I would have experienced transcendental, um, you know, uh, ex- I would have had transcendental. Transcendental experiences playing the violin, playing quartets. I remember, mm-hmm. I remember the the ability to be able to just even play a basic Beethoven quartet was mm-hmm. was very profound. It was mm-hmm. just, and, and we were, I'm sure we were hacking it to death, but you understood between the four of you. Um, I don't know that that essential um, un, unknown language. That that's right. Is the only way to be able to speak that's that right. language. right. Really,
0: it's really a magical
1: moment when oh, everybody's yeah. communicating hey, with, with instruments. Yeah,
0: yeah. I feel that way as a vocalist yeah.
1: too. So, so then I think if you look at the difficulty of being a better and better player mm-hmm. with uh, a good dose of ADD, mm-hmm. so I, I would get bored. So, and my father always said to me, <laughs> "You know, I, I probably took up the trombone again, and I took up a guitar, uh, and I." I let me guess you were
0: uh 15 when you picked up the guitar
2: yes because it's, you know, girls love it well <laughs> i didn't get good
1: enough unfortunately uh you know and um, i just but i probably was sitting there at 14 thinking yeah. i've got a violin and it's got four strings on it the guitar's got six the violin is not cool and the guitar <laughs> is yeah how do right. i make the transition all i need is an extra couple of strings but that's it so, but it was much harder than that. Yeah. So, so I then started to, you know, you know, um, you know, just have little affairs with various instruments. Yeah, and um, and my father, well, it, it, he actually died when I was fifteen. So this would have been before that. 14, how did he 15. How did he pass away? Well, he had he had uh, throat cancer. Was he a yeah. smoker? Oh yeah, Oh, boy. heavy, heavy smoker, heavy, okay. D- heavy drinker. Okay. And, uh, and I, I see a you don't player. you don't do either. Uh, no, is that, is that why? No, well, you have seen me drink. I think, well,
0: ba- barely. But, uh, Bare- yeah. Not not like our yeah. company, but yeah. yeah I, mean, I certainly barely.
1: can't. I certainly can't smoke. Um, mm-hmm. I've even tried smoking dope, and that was a disaster. I just I literally can't breathe it in and not do you know the yeah. embarrassing cough. Yeah, thing, sure. You know, so, um, uh, but. So I lost him at fifteen. So it must have been some points before then when he was giving his his recommendations. And one of the things he always used to say to me is, "Don't be a ma- you know master something. Don't be, don't be a jack of all trades. Master, you know, okay, master of none, as he would say." Yeah, and of course the irony of that is that it um, it confused me at the time, but it is exactly what my. Life is now. Right. I am not a master of anything.
0: Same with me. Yeah. I feel the same way. But I also feel that life is much more interesting because of it.
1: Yeah. I think if you if you are ADD and and the idea of taking one thing and perfecting it absolutely, um, it, it's interesting for a while. Mm-hmm. But I just cannot. I can get to that point that a real player, maestro. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I, I can, feel the yeah, same way. Yeah. It takes a certain set of skills to do any one thing. And those skills really are often the things that you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Not they're not really skills that you've forced yourself into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if the skill is singing and one of the skills isn't, you know, being on the road. Right. It would make sense. I mean, I don't travel well either. I don't I mean, I have terrible trouble. I mean it's, mm-hmm. it just throws me out. Don't and sleep so, well. Yeah. yeah. So does that is that why I'm not a very good conductor? It probably is not really, but I've I'm not so pursued. I've not that. pursued <laughs> conducting because I don't like the travelling, and it does no, seem. No, come that, on, you know, come on. Tell me why have why do you not pursue conducting? Because <laughs> I because it's too, it's. It's too. What's the word for it? Scary. No. 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 Uh, I, it, I'm scared because. It's, I'm not scared of it when I stand in front of an orchestra because I know all the musicians and I've sure. done so many know. things now. Sure. It, but what it is it, is it's like it's like you know it's like dancing for them. It's like if you if you said okay you're going to conduct this orchestra so put on the leotard and <laughs> and and do and do you know capella. Uh-huh. That is how it feels to me conducting. It feels very um, put on. Or, uh... It is. You're basically you're trying to express with your body. What the orchestra needs to be able to help guide them, help coordinate them. You know the the baton thing is just is really kind of is a technical thing that you can either use or not. See, I've got all these batons there. Six, seven,
0: eight, nine, ten. You've got. I've got a lot four, of batons. Yeah. yeah, right. Right here, staring at you.
1: The the irony of that is that I bought them about four years ago, and then over the last four years, I've realised that I'm really never going to do this, and uh, I think. Uh, my assistants just have reset the room you know yeah yeah. and they found them put them there probably just to say f you well yeah (laughs) yeah yeah things changed fucker you know so Uh,
0: i have a baton sitting on my desk too i I, now granted i do practice with my son i like to get i bought a couple practice batons and we wave them around and you know he's three and i want him to have a an experience similar to yours where you're just around music and it's something that's normal yeah but I, it's funny because I have a different fantasy about conducting. So <laughs> you hold a gun. <laughs> 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 no, I I think uh, I don't know. I think the idea of of I, I'm really very fond of self-aggrandizement, and I think that would be a great vehicle for that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, it's
1: interesting talking to Eric yesterday. He was talking about how there's some um, some really wonderful women conductors. Coming. Yes, yes. And that... Mirga, a, we
0: just saw this girl Mirga, yes, the, the new assistant about, yeah. at the film. Boy, she was yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah, and how it, it was different. Mm-hmm. It was different from a man conducting, mm-hmm. but incredibly effective. I agree. And so that's the fascinating thing, is to see uh, um, you know, a world that has never been really uh, able to kind of... Um, the women have never really been able to to um, you know, enter, because right. it's such a, a boys' club, such right. a boys' club. And the orchestras are so, you know, have always been notoriously boys' clubs as well. But now, obviously, you're getting a much more even balance of, of genders. But, but it is a, it's a, it's a, it's such a requirement of overconfidence. Not overconfidence. It's, it's just a willingness to, to emote using your body in front of other people.
0: And that you find that very uncomfortable?
1: Uh, I think I, I'm essentially an introvert, and I think there's an element of it that cannot work if you're an introvert. I can't Yeah, imagine. you've said
0: that to me before, but every time... Uh, and maybe it's just being one-on-one, but every time we're together, I feel... I, honestly, I feel like, oh, I want to see this guy more. Like He is so interesting. We have such... Uh, the types of conversations that I really enjoy having, which I don't have that often, honestly... So I'm really I'm always surprised to hear you say that. I don't
1: know. A, a lot of introversion is not state. social anxiety. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not that. It's just. Yeah. It's about whether or not you're happy to be home. Is it a more. sense of propriety
0: in front of people? Is it a British thing I for you? No, know.
1: huh. I don't know. I was, I was, to, I, I was talk about the fact that. Um, uh, you know, I used to. My sister was. Five years old, I mean, she mm-hmm. used to do ballet. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching her aged, well, I was three, I think, and watching her do ballet, and I loved the idea of this mm-hmm. ballet. Absolutely loved the idea. So, um, and this is po- possibly apocryphal. I mean, I, I really have no way to confirm anything I re- ever remember because you haven't really. I mean, you know, I, so yeah. I re- all I remember is making up a ballet age three for my sister and her just dismissing it and saying, Rubbish you know and and then i never danced again that's the gag of it you know it's like, yeah, of you course know, i never danced again yeah yeah, yeah. and um and, but i think there's an element of that which is you know, if you see a something that seems to make some kind of um uh, artistic sense to you mm-hmm. when you're very young mm-hmm. and then somebody comes along and says that you know it's not for you mm-hmm. i mean i, I maybe, maybe it's that lizard
0: brain that we were talking about yes. It yeah. becomes imprinted in yes. a way that yeah. your intellect can't overcome,
1: yeah, I think so, I think so, so that that inhibition, um uh, I think it extends even to standing in front of an orchestra and just waving the arms because it's not about waving the arms, it's actually about it's about i don't know, just do you feel any, like you're using any part of your body necessary, eyebrows, you know, elbows, you know. Um,
0: is it because you don't take yourself too seriously? Is that part of it? Is there a, is there a matter of needing uh, to take yourself seriously to be a conductor?
1: Well, this is the thing: is that you know people. I, I apparently don't make, take myself too seriously, but of course I do. I take myself way too seriously. Right. But if I it's if I do show the world a, an attempt at humility, it's because I'm trying to balance the overabundance the ego of my ego yeah uh, so yeah uh, that makes sense yeah so yeah so so i'm torn all the time probably by yeah. the idea of um what i can do what i should do and what what is right what is wrong
0: but you obviously don't have or maybe you just make concessions but i i think that maybe you I, I i don't know you know what i'm just confusing myself now because when i see you work i see you as in your composition in in the product of your composition and the way that you come to that composition um is we've done some very small measure of collaboration and a couple of little things. And I see that you're both very casual about it, but you're also very meticulous about it. And so my question is, how, does it bother you to see, do conductors ever just do it wrong? and Does it just drive you crazy? Or is it that you have so much control over the product that you do within a, the scope of your film music that you don't really suffer from that? Is that yeah. part of it?
1: As far as the film music gone. Has gone. I, I've always I've always grasped grasped control within in in, in other ways, mm-hmm. um, and that's because of technology. I mean, right. I, I've said this before. I'm a I'm i I'm a I'm a disabled composer because I really can't. I couldn't be a composer really without the computer.
0: But you, you I see manuscript all the time.
1: Well, yes, I read music and I can write music, <laughs> but you know, I cannot. I can't hear the. I can't hear the colours. Um, well enough. You mean the orchestration? Or quickly, part. yeah. I, I, can't, I can't hear. I hear about two seconds of music uh, in front of wherever I am. So I write by going back four bars, mm-hmm. playing the sequencer until mm-hmm. I get to the bit where it stops, and then I hear the two seconds of music, and then I put that in. I mean, you know, obviously there's techniques and there's you know kind of ways of you know just trickery to to make things happen, uh, but it's. Do you mean compositional trickery, composi- or, or well, everything? Or yes. Technological trickery. Everything. Yes. Everything. I okay. use everything I can. Every single, you know, aid. And the computer for me is is a kind of a it's a memory aid. I don't I don't have enough memory. I, I think I'm um, I'm 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 a kind of a I'm a 1986 computer. With a very with sixteen k of memory, really, yeah. and yeah. but I'm trying to work out some really really complicated stuff, so I'm having to shift that memory around very all the time, and I just it can't, and I've got a floppy disk basically, <laughs> so you know there's there's a so I constantly keeps having to change the floppy disks, and so the stuff does not come back very quickly, right. and it, again that's another thing about conducting is you have to you have to have a giant memory, yeah. You really do.
0: Yeah, the best conductors yeah. I've ever seen don't even use a score. I mean, I don't even understand how they do it. I mean, yeah. I, I've I've memorized things like Beethoven Nine just because I've heard it a million times. I can't. And maybe I, that's part of it.
1: I can't even memorize my own pieces. I, you know, I I really don't. After I'm, I mean, I I can hear two bars ahead. Yeah. Maybe I can write two seconds ahead. Yeah. And I forget four bars behind. So you know, whatever happened, I. It's gone to me. And <laughs> so how do you
0: physically do it here in the studio? Do you? Uh, you I see you're using Logic for this interview. Yeah, Is that, that's normally what you use. And then these input devices too.
1: Yes, yeah, so I'll use any input device I can. F- I can bang on, play, tickle, right, t- twist, squeak, and you know anything, including you know we've been developing a load of Max um, tools for me that uh, that kind of automate things or I see. allow me to take. Uh, ideas and 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 keep them in sort of in memory in a way that I can then manipulate. So
0: now I understand what you're saying. That I, I, the impression that I get is that you're trying to convince me that you hide behind the technology. But then no, 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 no. I, okay. don't, I don't hide. Okay, don't because hide, the thing no. is, is that I'm looking. I'm thinking about the First Born soundtrack, which is so stripped down and so beautiful, and like really was a paradigm shift. I think, especially in action movies. Um, you know, there weren't big orchestral explosions and crazy yeah. things. Um, how do you compose something like that? On just on the keyboard? You just come up here at three in the morning and start doodling, or what, uh, what is that?
1: Yes, I mean, the 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 mundane part of of writing is that you start. That's it. And you start, and yeah. you and you keep going until mm-hmm. something interesting happens, and mm-hmm. then you catch that, and then you throw away everything else that wasn't interesting, and then you start from that point again, and, mm-hmm. and you keep pursuing. Any idea that just shows any promise—it's mm-hmm. uh, very binary. It's like, is it this note? Is it that note? Is it this tempo? Is it that tempo? You know, it's like, and you just make choices, and you keep making those choices until—and you have to accept that it won't necessarily be very interesting until you wait for the interesting thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's all on intuition. It's not like you're saying, "I'm going to go from this key to this key, and
1: that means this." Um. It. If it. There's, yeah, there's some very deliberate choices. Okay. Whether or not they're driven by intuition or whether they're just dri- driven by experience sometimes is. It's yeah. is, is mm-hmm. very murky. I, I can't quite tell. I mean, when I write, the best time I write is uh, I get to the end of it and I can't remember what I just did. And then I look back on it, I play it back, and I suddenly discover, oh, that's very interesting. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's, it's, and I I realized about. People talk about yoga and transcendental meditation and hypnosis and things like this, And it's taken me years to realize that I I do all of this, and I've always done it. And I don't need to do it the way everybody else does it because it's it's always come very naturally to me. But I would never have thought of it as those things. I don't think I'm in, in a hypnotic state. Right. But I don't. You, but you're exercising your I subconscious. Must be, I must yeah. be, yeah, because I, I can sit there for four hours and you don't realize that four hours has gone and you're not quite sure how, what happened, and lo and behold, you've got something there. I, I've I've joked about it before and saying it's pixies come and you know, yeah, and do it all for you. And um, do you ever wake up in the middle of the night with some tune no. in your head that doesn't?
0: That's not no. that. Uh,
1: no, it's never that. I cliche. Everything's a f- everything's a fight. You have to fight uh-huh. for it. Uh-huh. Every note. Uh-huh. You know, anything interesting is a fight. You know, it's very easy to kind of just slap your knob on the on the thing. I can I can do a score p- completely with my penis.
0: Do you have any of those no. uh, in your catalog? No,
1: because I think that's an insult huh. to my to penis. penis. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but you can you can drop it you can drop it on a note sure. and there's pr- there's sounds that would that would give you a, a pretty much a very good. Score for something? Yeah, sure, sure. And I think i perhaps I should try it. Someday, I mean, some
0: but. some penises get one note at a time. Some people roll chord clusters. Yes, 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 it depends I, on the composer. I suppose. can't even reach the black notes. Let's put it that way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but what I do notice about the way I write is that you, we talked about bad memory. Yeah, I might have a bad memory, but I have a very the, the place I think I do have a very good memory is emotional memory. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So I. I fuck if I can remember. I remember things that hurt, or the or things that were wonderful, right? Very, very clearly. Me too. Yeah. So that's the stuff I think I I, I bring. That you exercise. Yes, I'm sure. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Way. And then, so the technology is really there just to try and I don't know create something that gives me that feeling again. Uh huh. Um, and uh-huh. so when a, when it's a film, you know, you can you try and align the feelings you've had in your life with what's required for the storytelling. Yeah. And then it's just a question of you get into that you you bring forth that memory and you that emotional feeling and you try and play with things until it seems to align with it
0: well there you have it folks part one of my two part interview with john powell i'd like to thank john once again for sitting down with me it's always a a treat to see him and to have a nice chat so thank you john i also want to thank gregory geiger for helping me with my theme song i'm still loving it buddy why don't you go to laclassical.com and check them out? And I want to thank you all for listening. I love doing this every week for you. I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you tune in again for the second part of my interview with John Powell. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius. Get onto my show.